Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio. Welcome back to another episode of the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. Every Tuesday and Friday, Nick Hill and Daniel Foch get together and talk about real estate. Did I just refer to myself in I was the third say, person? Introducing <laughs> ourselves in the third person now. I always try new introductions. And I, I just, you know, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Yeah, I like the no intro intro, so I'm going to try one of those right now. The moment you've all been waiting for. Ooh. Did it actually take us 145 episodes to do an episode called How to Buy Your First Investment Property, Dan? I, I feel like it's... To give us a little bit of credit, we did do an episode a while back that was like the 18-step process to buy your first home or to buy an investment property or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, but we've been boiling it down ever since, of course, with the help of our audience. Yeah, so a lot, well, actually all of it, this content in today's episode comes from our course, which we're really proud of, honestly. And, yeah. and like we, we don't want to hard sell too much. As you know, we don't really do that at all on the show. Um, but we built it alongside about 20 other listeners from the podcast, all of whom we really couldn't have done it without. And they've become a really integral part and core members of this this amazing community that we've built around the idea of real estate investing. Yeah, man. It, it's, it's so cool because we've really had an exhaustive way of describing how to buy your first investment property. And then they helped us narrow it down, add, subtract, and and really figure out what everyone was was looking for. And, and we were able to take those frequently asked questions and, and boil them down and, and distill them into great information here. And it really has been distilled into its core parts. And, and also there are a few areas where we've retooled them a little bit as a result of the feedback that we we're getting from, from the course to help deal with some of the key issues that investors have. Like analysis paralysis probably being the biggest one yeah. that we hear about. Yeah. Indecisiveness, which I find is something that I, I deal with personally. Which is which is probably a close relative of analysis paralysis. Yeah, that can be. I mean, well, yeah, I guess you would ultimately arrive at like, okay, there's two good opportunities, right? I end up doing neither. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fear of risks and, and taking the first step. I think the first step fear is like probably the biggest, that's what holds most people back. And we tried to like kind of, we have this visual, it's like a staircase, right? And it's like, don't, who cares about steps two through 10? What's not, what's the first thing? And a lot of that comes from that book I gave you, Essentialism. But mm -hmm. It's like, what's the very first, the one thing you can do to get closer to What's this, essential? Right? Yeah. And then the other one is fear of missing out, which I think pushes people, this is kind of the opposite of phenomenon, which is pushes people to make the wrong decision because they're just in such a hurry to do it, right? Yeah, exactly, Dan. And and I mean, we've had this goal for for quite a long time. That's the goal of the podcast. That's the goal of the meetups. That's the goal of essentially everything we're doing and have been doing. All the work, all the content is to find the answer to this one question. What is something that all real estate investors need to be successful? And how can we serve all real estate investors, new ones, existing ones, people on deal number one, two, 10, 50. I mean, we have people who are doing more deals than us and still learning. And, and the first question to answer that was the podcast, obviously. And then our audience wanted more and they asked for a course. And honestly, much to our chagrin, originally, we obliged them. And, and you, I guess, is them, uh, our audience. And you know, you're the audience is people who we love and appreciate so much. So honestly, don't forget that. We just want to also say thank you. Big, big thank you. We would not be here without you. And then you're right, Dan. We we kind of fought that for a while, and then something magical happened. It really did. And this course took on its own life. We started having regular calls and discussions, and it was a lot of work. Like it's been a lot of work Still to do is. a live course. Yeah. I think by comparison to any other type of course, but. 
these through these regular calls and just like asking questions with the panel and and finding out what investors wanted, we started doing everything we could to add in those features into the course and to develop it into a, a better one. Yeah. So initially we started with 12 parts, 12 lessons, and then all of our students in 1.0 helped us boil it down to eight lessons. The first being finding your why and creating an investment thesis. The second being picking a market or markets for the indecisive. The third being finding a deal in that chosen market. The fourth is building your power team, ideally, in that market as well. The fifth, analyzing a deal and pre-diligence. Then moving on to number six, making an offer, buying well and doing your due diligence. Number seven, pitching that deal, financing and closing on that deal. And finally, operating, managing that property and scaling to your next one. So we also made a couple of other exciting additions to the course based on feedback. The first one is that there will be regular coffee shops where listeners virtual. Yeah. And and they can just chat and collaborate and work together to solve and overcome shared issues. And somebody was asking me the other day, like, are you going to be on any of these calls? And I was like, yeah, like it'd certainly be my goal, my goal to to come into a lot of the coffee shops and you would too. For sure. I mean, that that's the stuff we love, right? That's, that's the fun part. But the funny thing is we're not even the ones that are just adding value anymore. Like the value is there with other people and, and their perspectives and their insights and, and real estate's so subjective, right? No two deals are alike. So everyone's learning in there. On top of that, we'll also be running bi-weekly AMAs, Ask Me Anythings that Dan and I will be a part of. And we'll have a team of expert instructors who will rotate through each week and present the answers to some of these tougher questions that maybe Dan and I aren't the best people to answer. We'll have things like very skilled, high-level mortgage brokers, lawyers, accountants, architects, property managers, people that are tax experts, people that are developers. And you think you think about it and, and we'll have it. And if you if we don't have it and you want it, we'll go find them. Yeah, exactly. And so today our objective is to basically walk you through what we've created and, and you know, we're giving you this for free here. So it's we like all of that. the steps. Yeah. And it's, it's all of the steps that ex- as exhaustively as possible, like as, as much as we can possibly put into this episode, we're going to, you know, that obviously with some limitations just based on length and yeah. And, and the fact that visuals. it's a podcast. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that there's no community around you to to do this. You're just likely listening to us in, in your car or on your run or cleaning the house or whatever you're doing. And we know that we've been a bit longer than usual with some of the podcasts lately. And uh, that's because there's only so much information that we can cover. And, and Dan and I have a lot to say. And there's only so deep that we can go in a podcast specifically for something like this, where there is a lot to talk about. And again, without visual aids and PowerPoints and videos and live questions and all that other good stuff. Yeah. So if you find yourself looking for more after this episode, there is more. There's hours of videos, lessons, checklists, spreadsheets, and a more supportive online community with regular webinars and AMAs. And you can check that out at realist.ca, which is linked in the show notes. I love that name so much too, realist.ca. And Dan, let's just do a quick little aside here. Why do we even pick that name? I think like, you know, in at the beginning, like I'm definitely more of a pessimist. And I'm a bit more of an optimist. And I think the the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Which is? Realist. Realist. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So now let's get into it. Now let's talk about how to buy your first investment property. Let's start with finding your why and creating an investment thesis. So this is that that indecisive piece. It it really is an element 
that the 1.0 cohort gave us. So, you know, it's either creating an investment thesis or theses or theses, or mm. I think that's theses, right? Theses. For the indecisive. Yeah. So if you're like me, which turns out to be a lot of people in the course are, you can't decide on just one city or one investment type. And you might say, okay, well, I like Airbnbs in cottage country, you know, who doesn't? But I also like duplexes in, you know, affordable secondary and tertiary markets. And I kind of want to look at fourplexing this really cool century home near where I live. And and Dan, this, these are all real. Like I've yeah. tried to do all three of those things. Right. Yeah. So if that's you, which uh, I mean, it sounds like is a greater than 50% of the population, some people have decided on a market, but there's nothing per se wrong. I had originally always thought, okay, yeah, like you have to refine it. It just means you have to do a lot more work, mm -hmm. right? So we say you have to look at hundreds of deals in the market that you've chosen within the investment thesis that you've chosen that is the good identifiable opportunity. If you have three investment theses, it's three times as many properties you have to look at, right? So refining it just means less work. But if a lot of people like the work of doing it, I do it for a living. So like, yeah. I, I think it's not that I don't like it. It's just that like, I don't know how much more of it I can do per se. But yeah, I mean, it would, you know, if you have three markets, if you have the three that you're saying and you, you it just means you have to look at three times as many properties as you would with somebody, as somebody who had one singular investment thesis. So you're probably wondering what an investment thesis is. Well, an investment thesis in real estate is a document or a set of guiding principles that outline the rationale and strategy behind a real estate investment. It serves as a roadmap for making investment decisions that help investors articulate their goals, their risk tolerance, and importantly, their expected returns. So the first step is define your objectives. Clearly state your investment goals and your objectives. Are you looking for long-term capital appreciation, regular income, or a combination of both? Understand your objectives and that'll guide the rest of your thesis. Right. And then from there, identify a target market criteria. So specify the geographic location and the type of real estate you're interested in, residential, commercial, industrial. Consider factors such as market trends and population growth and other economic indicators that may impact the chosen market. Then you want to evaluate property types. So clearly define the type of properties you're interested in and why you think they're the best opportunity. The key thing with an investment thesis is it should actually be you substantiating why you think it's good. You have A lot of people just don't think about that. It's just like, oh, it's a good investment because it's real estate, right? Well, a lot of those yeah. people are getting burned right now. I so wish. Like, I wish yeah, it was like, that so easy. Think about like, okay, you know, who who is it? Single family homes, multifamily units, office buildings, and explain the reasons for your preferences in your investment thesis. Consider the demand and supply dynamics for all of these property types and go even more granular. If you want to specialize in something very specific, we're in a buyer's market in Canada. You can be picky, mm -hmm. right? And that save for maybe Calgary, right? But <laughs> if you want to be converting wartime bungalows to up-down duplexes, as an example, it can be that precise. Exactly. If you want, and you're going to get better at it by specializing. Be that niche person. And then from there, you need to figure out how to assess your risk and return, articulate your risk tolerance and understand it. And of course, your expected returns on investment. Remember, high risk, high return, low risk, low return. 
That's some good math there. That's that's pretty complicated stuff. Try to keep up here. Okay? A lot of people tend to forget that though. Apparently, yeah, true. right? They're like, oh, yeah, low so. risk, high return. Yeah. I'm in. Well, like when they're like, oh yeah, this is a sure like surefire way to make a 10x, right? Like on like a whatever. It's like, oh well, that sounds like rare. Uh, it's uh, the sure part might be missing. Yeah, br- bring me those opportunities, yeah. and we'll see how sure they are. Yeah. So pick a good fit for you. So conduct market research, be thorough, and understand the trends, but also look for factors like you know vacancy rates, rental rates, employment growth, etc. And then think about yourself as an investor. Who are you looking to target? Do you want to rent to students? Maybe you're younger and you feel like that's a better fit for you. Do you want to rent to seniors or young families, right? Like do you, who's your target customer and why are you the best to serve them? Great, great stuff. The next piece is picking a market or markets again, if you're indecisive. And here's a step-by-step guide to help you identify potential cities for real estate investment. Dan, start me off here. So I would start from 30,000 feet, right? So research national and regional trends. And this is where like that episode that we did on the Fraser Institute about which cities have the most or are seeing the most population yeah. growth, or sorry, which provinces are seeing the most population growth per new household unit. Because it varies. And, and to me, think about magnitude. I know everyone's like, ah, oh, Toronto, Vancouver, core, et cetera. It's like, maybe they're more mature markets. And these, there are emerging markets within Canada because population growth is so substantial that it has a greater impact on other markets than those ones. Exactly. And that's right in line with job market and employment opportunities, right? You want to look for a strong job market that will often correlate with a robust real estate market. So research cities with low unemployment rates, diverse industries, and a growing job market. And know the insider stuff like, hey, is there a new battery plant happening here? Is there a new manufacturing facility? Is this area trying to be a new tech hub? Yeah, exactly. And then population growth obviously follows that. And we'd mentioned that. But remember that just because the most people are moving to the GTA in Vancouver doesn't mean that they're experiencing the highest percentage growth, the highest magnitude. Look for percentage. Magnitude is what matters. Exactly. Infrastructure and development plans are next to evaluate the city's existing infrastructure and future development plans. How is it managing growth and are there opportunities? And can you carve out some for future potential in the type of property that you're looking for? So does that property fit the future development plans of that local region and its policies and its zoning and municipal planning? And then you want to look at real estate market indicators. So this not really rocket science, but you know, house prices, rental yields, vacancy rates, you know, is it a good safe market to invest in? Is there growth potential? Could rents continue to move up? Could your income grow? Could your vacancy vacancy risk decrease? Are these all going in a good direction? Exactly. And a lot of that has to do with affordability, market affordability, right? So look for cities where the cost of living is reasonable. And actually our next episode out after this will all be about affordability and housing prices. Look for housing prices that are within a range that allows for potential appreciation. Another episode we just did, cash flow versus capital appreciation. Yeah. And then you know, you can go a little bit more granular into things like crime rates and safety, investigate crime rates rates and safety in potential cities, low crime rates in will contribute to the overall desirability of an area in specific. And, and a lot of these more tertiary markets, like there are bad areas and like you'll often see an asset that seems like it's trading at a deep discount. I used to post these on TikTok all the time and it was like, and people are like, that's in the worst place in the world. It's like, okay, well like, that explains it. Right. So like yeah. know where those are. Cause like, unless like you want to be the type of investor, but just at least like know that 
what those pockets are because I, I would say that it's probably an important factor. Um, one of the tools that we use actually is uh, Door Insight, and they're going to be part of the course, sort of helping us like with developing these more efficient tools. But I would highly recommend anybody check out the Door Insight website. We'll put a link in the show notes. Actually, I think it'd be a good yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure, a great tool for for everyone. But you can search like rent to price ratio. Like they have, it's all map stuff too. It's really really cool platform. And and Door Insight is just one of a few prop tech companies that we're working with that the members of the course will have early access to discounted pricing and even some proprietary IP type of stuff that, yeah, that we're building like some beta for, test stuff. Yeah. Sure. So very exciting. The last piece here is of course, you got to know the bad, you got to know the good as well. So what are the education and amenities like? So consider the quality of education. Are there post-secondary education options available in this area? What are the availabilities of amenities such as parks or shopping centers or cultural attractions? What are the pull factors they contribute to the overall livability of that city. Yeah, and then um, the next piece I think is once you've found that that market is building out a team, right? Build out a, a capable power team in that specific market or a portion of that power team can be remote, like ones that, that don't need to be geographically dependent. So probably I think your lawyer, stuff like that. Yeah, and, and this is your company, essentially. These are your executors. This is your management team. So choose them wisely, interview them, ask for track records and referrals and and references and, and take this part seriously. So this would include a realtor, an accountant, a lawyer, a mortgage broker. A contractor who can hopefully tour those properties with you. And it helps if all of the people on this team are also investors so they exactly. can see things through the lens that you're seeing it through. Yeah, exactly. That's ideal. Okay. So you've picked the power team now and you've picked the market. Now it's time to find a deal in that market. So time to activate that power team, ask around and use your realtor or contact other investors, which is the number one people that investors should be spending time with are other investors. This is where you cold call, you engage a wholesaler to find properties in your market or your markets. And you try to do that ideally off MLS. I think like there's a, it's funny though, because there, there's this idea that you're going to get a good, a better deal, like in an off-market deal, but I've seen some pretty bad off-market deals. Oh, there's horrible like, off-market like, deals and we've found some great deals on market. Yeah. And so I would say, you know, try, but really like there's, there's no golden rule for how you're going to, you know, I would say in a lot of cases, like if you're going to try and find something off market, you want to do it direct and just like literally find it from like meeting someone at the dog park, which yeah. I know a realtor who gets all of his deals from the dog park. There we go. Yeah. So I think that stuff like, and then once you've found a property, you have to use four key metrics. We, we choose to use four key metrics and again, hundreds of deals, right? So how do you find the good ones very quickly? You have to go from a long list to a short list as quickly as possible so that you can spend the time really, really analyzing the good ones. So we use four key metrics. We use the GRM, gross rent multiplier, cap rate, DSCR, debt service coverage ratio, and cash on cash return. So gross rent multiplier. Ew, gross. <laughs> the purpose of the GRM is it, it helps you quickly assess the potential profitability of a property by comparing its purchase price to its gross rental income. Simply calculated by using your GRM equals your purchase price divided by the annual gross income. So a lower GRM indicates a potentially better investment opportunity as it suggests a shorter time for the property to pay itself based off of that gross rental income. 
So it's like a golf score. We're not. I'm, are we going to make the joke again about my Our golf, golf score? Your golf score. Come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next one would be a cap rate. So this is where. So GRM is gross. Cap rate is really where you're starting to get more down into the net. So cap rate provides a more nuanced view of a property's potential return on investment by considering its net operating income. So that's relative to current market value, but that's after looking at an expense profile. So this is where you'd start asking for expenses from the realtor, asking for rent rolls from the realtor, verifying income. And this is all part of a process that we call pre-diligence, which we're going to go through. But the calculation is a cap rate is your NOI or net operating income divided by the current market value times 100. And the times 100 is just to make it into a a percentage Percentage point. Um, And so a higher cap rate generally and genuinely indicates a higher potential ROI or return on investment. However, be mindful of the risks associated with high cap rate properties. We've purchased a couple ourselves and, you know, there are risks associated. Yes, with them, yes, know. there are. And we've done full episodes on that. So go back and listen or hop into the course. It goes and, back to that high risk, more. high returns. Yeah, exactly. Right. The next piece is the DSCR debt service coverage ratio. The purpose of this is essentially kind of a lender sniff test, as we like to say, it determines if a bank will even give you money. The DSCR assesses the property's ability to cover its debt obligations by providing insights into its financial health and sustainability. It's calculated by using the debt service coverage ratio, which equals its net operating income divided by the debt service as an annual mortgage payment. A DSCR above one indicates the property generates enough income to cover its debt obligations. Lenders often prefer a DSCR of at least 1.25 or higher for a comfortable margin of safety. I think MLI Select, like CMHC is doing like 1.2. 1.2, yeah. Yeah. We like it a little higher than that if we can get it. Yeah, I mean, look, like the reality is at the end of the day, the buck stops with the bank. So yeah. literally stops there. <laughs> it starts there too. But the final one would be cash on cash return. And this measures the actual cash flow of, in, of the cash invested in the property. So this will just basically tell you whether or not the property is efficient at producing cash and an actual return. Like, you know, because anything else, it's like, the, it, yeah, sure, it's paying equity or it's, you know, it's earning, it's doing a lot of things, but is it actually making real money. And mm. the and the important part of this is that's what's really necessary to scale. If your property is cash flow ne- neutral or negative, banks aren't always going to give you or they're going to underwrite a property a little bit different than you, and so they're not always going to give you 100% of the rental income or they're going to overstate the expenses a little bit. And so if a property is cash flow neutral, it might actually appear as cash flow negative when you're applying for your next mortgage. Exactly. So you want to have a little bit of cash flow positivity. The idea here is that every deal should get you closer to buying the next deal. And and if it the more cash flow you have, the closer it gets you to the next deal. The less cash flow you have, the further away it gets you from buying the next deal because cash flow is income and income in- increases your ability to qualify for a higher mortgage on the next property. That's exactly right, Dan. So let's talk about analyzing deals because we're talking about analyzing hundreds of deals. So let's talk about analyzing deals at scale by using automation and software and making it easy and, and enjoyable. So we want to utilize real estate investment analysis tools and software that can automate the calculation of these metrics for multiple properties. So you're not you know, doing it one by one by one. And Dan, I got it handed to you. You are the Excel wizard. You give out an amazing video walkthrough on how to create a spreadsheet. And we're also working with those tech partners we mentioned to come up with some exclusive like Chrome add-ons that does it even more efficiently and, and makes it look a little nicer than just simply in Excel. Yeah, for sure. 
And I think that the last piece is just kind of established the criteria there. Obviously, like I wish we could teach the audience how to do like these Excel things, but you can't really explain that. Like it's like put in equals, you know, NPV. Yeah. It's like I can't do that on a podcast, right? So a lot of the stuff's visual, and it it exists there, right? It's in the course. So establish your criteria based on these metrics, and uh, and know what your risk tolerance is. So like you know. They're, they're very comparative metrics, but like also have benchmarks, like not going to look at anything less than a cap, uh, a cap rate of seven, right? Or, you or a cap rate. famously quoted that you don't get under bed for yeah, less than I mean, and, But a, a good rule is basically like your cap rate, go to your lender and say, hey, I want to buy investment properties. And they say, okay, cool. Yeah. Like here's the rate that you're most likely to land at. And then say, okay, I probably have to go get properties that are, have a, have a cap rate higher than that interest rate. I yeah. think that's a good rule, right? It doesn't have to be my rule, but so that your your cap rate, your target cap rate could be reflective of what interest rate you're expecting to buy with. Cash on cash returns, like maybe you want to have a minimum of like, you know, two, three, four, five percent to know, okay, at five percent, I can scale this quickly because that that's increasing my income by X percent. I mean, these are things that you have to think about as an investor because sure they depend, so. your ability to scale depends on it. Next up is analyzing a deal and doing pre-diligence. So yeah, so you don't have to do as much due diligence. Pre-diligence is where you do a lot of the work before making that offer. You front load that work and this puts you in a very strong negotiating position. Yeah, so your goal is to know as much, if not more, about the property than the owner or the owner's realtor. That's one of my favorite games yeah. to play. <laughs> so engage your power team here. Pull title. Find out the loan payments, the loan sorry, the loan amounts. Get a survey of the property. Get the legal description. Know what the owner paid for it, when they bought it, who they bought it from, et cetera. All these pieces of information put you in a position of power to negotiate a better deal. And the goal here is to get a good deal. Like really, nobody's nobody's like, oh yeah, I'm going to pay for a course and then buy a bad deal. Or I'm going <laughs> to listen to a podcast for 150 episodes to go be bad at, you know, like- that's the goal. Get a good deal. And so this exactly. is this is where the rubber hits the road. Knowledge is power. Exactly. And, th and this is also where you start to have to think about inspecting that property. And since we're not in a market where things are going crazy and in multiple offers like they were in many cities in Canada, except again, maybe Calgary at this point, you should have time to view that property multiple times before making an offer. So ask your contractor and your realtor to go through it with you a few times and take notes, anticipate any of the work that needs to be done and maybe ask their seller if you can even negotiate a better price based off of the considerations and the work that needs to be done. Yeah. And you know, this is like one of those things where I had showed this in the spreadsheet. It was like, okay, well, let's assume we have to put in a $10,000 cap. Like you got to replace the furnace within five years of owning a property, put a $10,000 CapEx line item. And yeah. how does that change your spreadsheet? And we, you know, these, this is where you start doing that stuff. Cause it's like, if you're owning a property, you have to imagine, okay, I'm going to own it for 20 years. And yeah. Okay. Like don't just show up and be like, oh yeah, like I think the furnace is gonna have to is gonna go within ten years. It's like, okay, put that into your model. Yeah, is that is gonna the furnace wipe, in your model? Is that gonna wipe out year three cash flow? Right. Um, and not only that, Dan, but we we have checklists for both kind of the more standard home inspections, but we also have a, an investor checklist in the course as well, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, for sure. And so you should also be doing pre diligence on yourself as well as the property. So this is where you start your mortgage process. See if you can even afford the place you're buying, right? Like take, good, you know, take, start. send the listing to the mortgage yeah. broker. I know Nick hates these emails. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is again, when that you was engage, a joke, by the way, he loves them. Send, uh, yeah. him, send him all the properties. Send me an email. Uh, this when you engage someone like me or your mortgage broker on your power team, ask them to underwrite the deal based on the property's price, the income, and of course your income. How does it pencil out based on the assumptions that you've made and the numbers that you've calculated by using your debt service coverage ratio, your DSCR? Will you get a big enough of a loan amount or the same interest rate that you have expected and hoped for? All these are questions 
that you need to answer before you make that offer. Before you make that offer. Please do it before. And they will guide how you make an offer and what you ask for in your due diligence process. And this is where, you know, which once all of this gets formalized, you're going to start actually doing due diligence. So let's go to that next. So next up is making an offer, buying well and doing due diligence. So when you buy a property, guess what? You have to make an offer. Also known as an APS or an agreement of purchase and sale. So I typically try and keep my conditions short and sweet on these APSs. And so I aim for one single due diligence condition that includes everything. So sort of like this offer is conditional on the buyer conducting at the buyer's own expense, due diligence on the subject property, including and not limited to. And then I list all of the stuff that I want to do. It usually starts with a lawyer review. Again, engage your power team, have the lawyer review the deal. It's not that big of a deal. It's not crazy. If the, if the seller doesn't like that, then that's a little bit of a red flag. Yeah. Yeah, So like, this is a good opportunity to kind of draw out red flags. I should be giving dating advice actually on that (laughs) note. Um, You want to, you want to ask for a building inspection, review financial documents. So, and that means gathering all of those financial documents. So gathering your, you know, asking for the rent rolls, asking for the expense statements, et cetera. So actually really, really plugging these in, putting them into your model, but also giving them to the bank. So request those in your due diligence condition. And then a financing and mortgage review, which kind of leads into the final piece, which is, or the final two pieces, but the the actual doing it, the execution piece, which is pitching, financing, and closing the deal. Yeah. So this is where you'd send the actual APS, the agreement of purchase and sale to your mortgage lender so they can then underwrite it for the second time or the third time because you've already underwritten it and you know it works. And they're, of course, going to ask for a bunch of documents like rent rolls, leases, proof that the suites are legal and many more or less depending on what type of product you're investing in. And you you need to think of your lenders or the bank on the property like any other financial partner in the deal. So if your goal is to bring in equity, which it seems like, I, I don't know why, like I think some certain TikTok folks have made people really excited oh, about lovely. bringing in other people's money, but- OPM, um, the buzzword of 2021. Yeah, which is like, whatever, we, you know, let's just put it aside for now. You, you treat lenders like that. Like you have to communicate with them why it's a good investment to them. And you have to gather information and present it to them to help make the deal more compelling. Just a little like word of advice is like, if the, if a deal sucks, like let the bank tell you because, (laughs) and like, don't, I don't know, like they're the best, really the best underwriters. Like these are billion dollar institutions. Like, yeah. And then like, I don't know the whole like fraud for shelter thing or like people like misstating, like if you have to like commit fraud to make an investment paper for a bank to lend on it, like I don't know how to tell you this, but it's not a good deal. Don't do it. Yeah. The final piece, operating, managing, and scaling. So very quickly, this is property management. This is tenant selection. We teach you how to get the best tenants, where to find them, what avenues, and then how to properly keep that relationship going because real estate really is a relationship business. And then the whole thing, it all accumulates into scaling into that next property. And I think like most of the lessons that we just discussed in buying well apply to tenant selection. For Um, sure. You know, be thorough, be very methodical, have a very good system for applying for, or sorry, onboarding tenants. You know, evaluate. and, And when you're building your model, model scenarios in which it makes sense for management. If you, one of the keys to scaling as an investor is not investing as a side hustle or yeah. not investing as a job, right? And Turn so it into a business. 
And if it's a business, you need people between you and the the service that you're selling. You need service providers, you need employees, and they don't have to be people that are on salary, but you know, there are, you can get property managers on a, on a variable cost basis on a per, you know, percentage basis of monthly rent per door, per unit, whatever. Yeah. And I yeah. would say if you're not modeling, like, and I think I did a tweet out like this and it was like, if you're, if the property you're buying doesn't cat, isn't cash flow positive with a management fee in place, it's a job, not an investment. Youch. But it's, and a lot of people don't want to admit that, but if, if you can't, if the deal can't afford a property manager, then you're the manager. And if you're the manager, it's a side hustle. Yeah. Well, damn, Dan, we just we just gave all all the way for free there, right? Yeah, the I whole, mean the whole course in in under forty minutes. Now you don't need to join, so take it and run. And uh, we hope you got a. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know, and and it is like one of those things where a lot of people could just probably write out everything we just wrote there and go on on YouTube and probably search our Chat GPT and search and you know what I mean and, <laughs> and add color to most of those things yeah. and and get closer and closer. And the way that I think about real estate investing is like quite literally like golf and. and if you watch me play golf, you might think I misunderstand, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I understand the goal is to get the, the whole, the cup, this like the, either the, I, I apparently I don't cause I can't even say it. You got to get the ball in the, in the hole. Right. So in order to do that, you have to get closer to the hole each time you take a stroke and, uh, you know, barring the trees that you hit when you get negative yardage mm, or, you know, been there. um, yeah. And you know, every once in a while you got to get the foot wedge out. No. Oh yeah. Favorite club. That's the mortgage fraud part, I guess. Yeah. Like if you're cheating, <laughs> don't so don't do that. But the, it's reminds, That's hilarious. Yeah. The, the foot wedge of of the real estate investing yeah. business. Um, uh, but no, like I think the thing is really getting closer to the pin each time, right? And so, if you are right now, you're you're you own your primary residence and you've you've got some cash saved up and you've never invested in a property before. What's the first thing you can do to get closer to the pin, right? How do we get you off the T blocks? I think it would be like boil it down, make that investment thesis, decide. <laughs> what you think is a good investment because you're not going to buy something if you think it's a bad investment. So take the entire universe of potential investment properties in Canada and distill down where you think the actual good investments are. And then what's, you know, what's shot number two. And it's funny because it's eight steps and it typically does take me eight shots to get to the, into the cup. So, so yeah, you're, you're a great so, par eight uh, yeah, golfer. Yeah. So, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, big snowman. No. So, so you, you create this investment thesis, right? You say, okay, I think I'm bullish on providing apartments to seniors, you know, maybe unindexed pensioners, seniors who don't have a lot of money, right? Then, then what, what's number two get, what's the second shot? I'm not telling you, you gotta, you gotta come into the course at that point. And you know what, if we're going with this golf metaphor, we've got, we plan on having like Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods in there as, as the coaches and uh, maybe a little bit of John Daly action too, but enough with the golf stuff. Cause I don't know if all of our lists and two guys that kind of suck at golf day and we're in this, we've true, gone man. deep into the golf metaphor. Was there a better one though? Like yeah, baseball, we're going to, we're knocking it out of the park. The course is a slam dunk. I'm going to stop right there because this is getting too cheesy. Go sports. <laughs> Honestly, uh, yeah. Look, we we love giving away information for free. We've tried to build a whole, we've built a whole business around around it with the podcast. Yeah. This is the next step. Dan and I really fought against doing this because truthfully, we kind of hate the guru culture in real estate. I think it's dangerous. I think it's left a lot of people with lighter wallets and not enough information. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people and it's left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. And that's why we shied away from it for so long, but very happy with what we've built. Well, I'm just glad like that the community pushed us to do it. Cause a lot of yeah. people were like, you you know, you guys could do it in a non-guru way. And I was like, I, I still don't know if we could. Right. Yeah. And then I think, I don't know, this is our attempt, right? So yeah. hope, we hope that you agree with us. So again, to boil it down, like quickly summarize. So get, let's get you off the T blocks. I'm going to go back to the golf thing for first swing, 
create your investment thesis. Come up with like a business plan. Like what is going to work for you as an as an investor? Send it to a couple of people for feedback. A couple of rich people, right? Smart people who and say, hey, what? Where am I wrong here? Val- validate your assumptions. Realize where you're wrong. Get some good feedback. Then you got to pick a market, right? Let's or three a golf course. Yeah, yeah. Pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, one or several markets. Again, just remembering that if you're looking in three markets, it's three times as much looking you got to do. Find a deal in that market then build a power team to help you execute that deal. And and yeah, I mean, those two can kind of be interchangeable. I think like the first person you'd bring into your power team probably would be a realtor and they're going to probably help you find a deal in that market. So maybe like would flip those two around depending on how you are as a as an investor and whether or not you want to do most of the searching yourself. Remembering finding a deal as well as, you know, using those key, the, those four key metrics, the GRM, the cap rate, DSCR, and your cash on cash return. And then you want to analyze deals, do some pre-diligence, model it out, get as much info as you can, know more about the property than anyone else in the world. That's a, be a huge advantage when you take possession of it as well, by the way, if you know a lot about the property that you own. It's pretty helpful, I find. <laughs> you got to make an offer. You got to buy it well, negotiate it well, and knowledge is power. So that's why the pre-diligence is important. And then you got to get all of the information that Everything was question marks before assumptions you were making, and pull that out of the 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 buyer or the seller and the the seller's agent to conduct your due diligence to verify all of those assumptions. Present that information to your lender for sure, and then from there you have to either pitch that deal to equity partners, GPLP partners, mom or and dad, mom and dad maybe, or even the bank or the credit union or the, the financial institution that you are trying to work with. So then the financing and closing the deal part comes into play, and then from there. Congr- Congratulations, you now have your first, your second, or your 30th investment property. Now you got to operate it and manage that property well enough so that you can scale and buy another one to the point where, dare we say, real estate almost becomes passive. So there you have it. That's as much as we can do today, I think. Hope everyone got a ton of value out of this. If you're interested in joining the community, we would love to have you. Again, our goal is to have the biggest and best community online full of digital assets, experts, and really just people that are going to be the next generation of real estate investors as we try to rebuild Canada out of this housing crisis. And hopefully we can make a couple bucks along the way. If you're interested, www.realist.ca. Thanks so much for listening. The Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Center and a partner in the G&H Mortgage Group. License number 10317, agent license M21004037. Daniel Foch is a real estate broker licensed with Rare Real Estate, a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Toronto Real Estate Board, and the Ontario Real Estate Association.